then instead of Sunday morning. <laughs> Amen. But uh, uh, the Bible does say be instant in season and out. I've heard of people that uh, their pastor asked them that morning as they came through the doors, Hey, you're preaching. You got something ready? I heard that. I heard those tales, and it scared me to death, so I always had something ready, just in case. <laughs> oh, amen. But uh, thank you, all of you, for your faithfulness, your continued faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. Uh, by way of announcements, uh, next Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we will not be having service here. Uh, please take that time, spend time with your family, enjoy yourselves. Amen. We will be back the following Sunday. Praise God. Let's all stand. I don't think there are any other announcements. Probably not. Let's go to God. Let's uh, call on His name here before we begin. Ask Him to bless His word, bless His service, that His perfect will would be accomplished in our midst. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You have given us an awesome opportunity this evening to enter into the very presence of Almighty God, to receive of You all that You have in store for us this evening. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We come before You with fear and with trembling. We come before You with excitement and expectation of the good things of God that we are, we are prepared to receive of You today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to, to wait upon You this evening to minister unto you with our worship and praise and giving of thanks for all that you've done and because of who you are. Let your great name be glorified in our midst here this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do We do laud and magnify you this evening. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the opposite or the other side of the coin of authority. We've spoken a lot about spiritual authority, the authority that we as Christians have. Tonight we're going to be talking about our responsibilities. Uh, we do have a few. And uh, we're, going to be, we're going to be talking about those as in-depthly as possible, in-depthly, as possible tonight. In Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 12, Jesus is speaking here, and there's, there's a lot to this parable. We're only going to cover a few points, though. He says this, He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. 
And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. They said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. Amen. We'll unpack some of that later. But there is certainly a, uh, a relationship between authority and responsibility. In a perfect scenario, they go hand in hand. To the extent that you have responsibility, you ought to have enough authority to discharge those responsibilities. You don't need any more, you don't need any less. But enough authority to take care of whatever responsibilities you've been given. Some of us are military folks in, in this place, and so we kind of understand uh, that relationship. When we go in, uh, typically we go in as, if you're not an officer, you go in as an E1, E-nothing, uh, as some like to refer it. Uh, but you don't have a lot of authority as an E1. Uh, in fact, you have zero <laughs> authority. Everybody gets to tell you what to do. Even other E1s that have more time and grade get to tell you what to do. So you don't have a lot of responsibility either. You're not responsible for a lot of equipment. You're not going to be signing for millions of dollars worth of equipment. You're not going to be responsible for anybody underneath you. You have no one underneath you. All you need to do is square yourself away. That's it. As you progress through the ranks you get a little bit more ranks. You get a little bit more responsibility. And so the Army or the branch of service that you're in, ah, the Navy, <laughs> gives you a little bit more authority to take care of those responsibilities. If you make it up all the way to an E-9, Command Sergeant Major Parker, you have all kinds of responsibilities. But you get a little bit of authority as well. You get to tell the first sergeants what to do. Other E-9s that are underneath you, you get to tell them what to do. And so we begin to understand that the more authority one is given, the more responsibility you're going to have as well. And the relationship typically goes that you're going to get responsibility first. If you're able to take care of the responsibilities that you have, the authority will follow. The promotion will follow. But if you can't handle those responsibilities for one reason or another, well, we're going to kind of pull you back and work a little bit longer right here. And that's okay. But we understand that this, this relationship exists as children. We don't come into the world with any responsibility. None. Our parents have all of it. They need to feed us. 
They need to wipe my body, my nose. Yeah. They need to feed me. They need to bathe me. They need to take care of everything. But I have no authority either. I don't get to call any shots. I don't get to make any decisions. I don't get to decide what I eat, when I eat, where I sleep, when I sleep. That's all decided for me. As we grow, we begin to assume some responsibilities. We get chores. We get things that we are responsible for. And if we're successful in discharging those responsibilities, mom and dad, bless their heart, they add a little bit more. But with that responsibility also comes, hopefully, a measure of authority. We get to stay up a little bit later. We get some leeway as to to some of the things that we can do or not do. As we become adults, then we get all the responsibility and all the authority. When I moved out of my dad's house, it couldn't have happened as soon as it couldn't have happened fast enough, as far as I was concerned. I was ready to go. Eighteen, I was in the army. I graduated. Monday morning I was in. <clears throat> and I was happy until I got there. And I thought <laughs> maybe I could have waited a little bit longer. <laughs> but in any case, <clears throat> I was an adult now. Of course the army's a bad analogy because I still had no <laughs> still didn't get to decide a, a whole lot. But if I moved off to college, for example, Got a job, something. Got my own place. Mom and Dad don't tell me what to do anymore. They don't tell me what I can eat. They don't tell me what time to go to bed. I can go to bed at 5 in the morning if I want. I could. When I was in the Army, that's what I did. I'd go to bed at 3, 4 in the morning. Get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Do not recommend that. Not at all. <clears throat> but I was I was calling my own shots. I was I was enjoying that authority. But I also had some responsibilities to take care of. And uh getting hour, two hours of sleep every night, that didn't that didn't last too long. So the point is we get responsibility. We get authority to take care of the responsibility. A lot of people are seeking the authority. They want to be in charge. They want to call the shots. They want people underneath them. And probably some personalities are more prone to that than others. But you got it backwards. The only reason we receive authority is to take care of the responsibility. That's the only reason the authority exists. As far as we're concerned, we only need the authority to take care of the responsibility. That's it. When Jesus delegates authority to his people, either spiritual... Now, all of us, as children of God, have the same measure of spiritual authority. We, all of us, can tell the demons to leave. We can tell them to shut their mouths. We can command... uh, 
and we can take authority over sickness and disease and infirmity, over devils and demons, over all, of the, over all the power of the enemy. We have been given authority, an equal measure of authority to do that. Within God's kingdom, however, he delegates to some more authority than others, and authority in certain areas and not others. Okay? So, that might be another lesson in and of itself. But, understanding this, that I will be given a measure of authority different from yours, and vice versa, in different areas, and that's okay, as God will. If we look at uh, job situations, as workers, the worker bees, on a factory line, or digging ditches, or whatever it may be, we look up at the executives and the CEO in his nice suit, in his cushy office, his nice high back chair, and we think, wow, that would be the life. He doesn't have any calluses on his hands. He doesn't even know what to do with the shovel that's breaking my back right now. But he gets paid 20, 50 times what I'm getting sitting in that nice high back chair. And that's all a lot of people can see. That's all a lot of people can think about. And the CEO, <laughs> he's thinking, man, that would be pretty good right now. To be able to just worry about that shovel. That would probably be, that would be all right for me. Because that CEO, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to <laughs> Jordan Peterson on YouTube. Uh, he's, doctrinally, he's, he's not really there. He's got a lot of stuff right, in any case. Um, he's a psychiatrist. He's, he's big in Canada. Look him up. You'll see all kinds of stuff about him. In any case, uh, he talks about this a little bit. What they ought to be saying is, why would anyone want that job? Because what people don't realize is the typical, I'm not talking about, I'm, you're going to find exceptions everywhere, but on average, the typical CEO is working 18 to 20 hours a day, six to seven days a week. That's what they do. That's who they are. That's what they're going to be doing till they die or get fired. <clears throat> they got about anywhere from three to five lawsuits that they're juggling at any given time. They're worried about shareholders. They're worried about stock price. They're going to go before the board and give uh, reasons why they're going to do. They are responsible for the whole company. Everything that happens in the company comes on them. There are not a lot of people that can handle consistently that kind of responsibility. Now, they do have a lot of authority. But they need the authority to be able to do their job. So understand, we want authority. We want to call the shots. We want to command. We want people underneath us. Some people do. But understand what comes with that. You are also responsible for those people. You are also responsible 
for everything that happens in your command, as it were. God makes a distinction between a ruler of the people and the people themselves. We see that played out in a couple areas. In Leviticus chapter 4, starting with verse 22, we read about the the sacrifices, the, the, the sin offerings that are required. And he says in verse 22, When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things done and is guilty, or if his sin wherein he hath sinned come to his a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. Okay? He continues. One of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments that to be done, and be guilty. Or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, and he a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. So we see a different sacrifice people and the common people. He makes a distinction. We're going to look at Moses in just a moment. This is how far that distinction goes. We are given the authority that we're given only to discharge the responsibilities we've been given. In the time of Moses, we understand that Moses was called people of Israel, the children of Israel from Egypt. Okay? God was going to use Moses. He did. And he gave Moses the authority over his people. Moses also had a few responsibilities. We'll look at those in a moment. But what a ruler, and as the Bible, someone who is common, someone who does not have a place of authority, someone who does not have a, a position or a title in the kingdom of God. Between those, and rightly so. Responsibility you have the less leeway you're going to have when you mess up. As a new convert, when I was one week old, I was not, I was not living perfectly. I still had some things that God was we know of people, I know of, of people that still living with each other, still living in sin. And they, they were living like that for a couple months before they finally realized, we've got to stop doing this. My Although it's still wrong, we converts to do stupid things. We expect new converts because they don't know any better at this point. Yes? When I came to the Lord, I didn't know a whole lot. And as I grew, and as I 
I applied that knowledge. And as I applied the knowledge, start there. Nobody starts there. The point is this. I'm a pastor now. If I as I did when I was a one-week-old Christian, there would be a different response. And I know better now. I have more responsibility now. And again, if I the more people that you're responsible for in the kingdom of God, the more effect your sin is going to have. Messes up, we expect that. That's fine. Get back up, keep walking, keep moving toward God, keep following after. The pastor does that. If Brother Booker did that, scenario entirely. We're all human beings. We're all subject to the same temptations, the same lusts. So why? Because of the because of the amount of responsibility and the commensurate amount of authority that that person Brother Booker, if he fell in, an entire state, an entire district. When the new convert falls, I mean, we have to expect that. It's still sin. It's still wrong. They're learning. They're growing. They don't know any better. They affect them. So God makes a distinction between the two. And we're going to. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert. The people abode in Kadesh. Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses. And Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The glory of the Lord appeared unto them, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and them water out of the rock so shalt so thou shalt give the, the congregation and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation he fetch you water out of this rock and Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice and the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank 
oxen, Aaron, because ye believed, not, believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. How many times did the nation of Israel come up against the plan of God? How many times? Multiple times. Dozens of times. How many times did Moses fail God? According to the Scriptures, once. And because of that one time, God forbade him to go into the promised land. He would not enter into because of that one time. This was the man of God. This is the man that acted rebellious people the entire time. He was wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, not because of his sin, his error. He was faithful. Of Israel and their faithlessness and their 